Yeehaw, hello and howdy. Thank you for joining us on the Canon Stats podcast. Um, this is our third week in a row, so I think we can say that this is now a weekly Arsenal Analytics podcast. I am Scott Willis, and always I am joined by my co-host Adam Bogey. Welcome, Adam. How's it going? Hey, Scott. How's it going? It's going going good. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Lots of things going around in Arsenal yeah. world. Um, I think we should just dig right into it. Uh, no, no banter waffle today. Um, <laughs> there's, there's lots of lots of news. Um, I think the, a good place to start right now, um, and I think the, the place where Arsenal are spending their most attention outside of preparing for Fulham is in the outgoings. Mm-hmm. Um, we, do, we do have, uh, I think, an, oh, almost official, right? It feels like everything is all but signed with uh, Florian Balogun to Monaco. Uh, what are yes. your thoughts on on that deal? Good deal, bad deal, pretty good yes. overall. So the fee, the fee that we have seen, and I don't think that Ornstein or like Fabrizio Romano has gone so far as to say a number, but um, the fee that is being reported by I think pretty credible sources at this point is is forty five million. <clears throat> yeah, Europe. Uh, that's in so about, about forty million pounds. Yeah, it's like thirty nine point two or something like that. Yeah. Uh, with the exchange rate, so it's. It's, uh, you know, it's yet to be seen what that looks like in terms of like, uh, are there add-ons on top of that? Does that include add-ons? But let's just say 45 or 40, roughly a million pounds. So, um, I mean, from from Flo's standpoint, it's a move that I think is really good for his career, you know, having being linked with Chelsea. And obviously there's a lot of flux there and most attackers haven't looked good there uh, for a while. Um, Instead, you get a Monaco side who are very clearly... Uh, trying to kind of get back to being one of the better clubs in France. They haven't really been mm-hmm. that the past few seasons, um, but then they sold Aurelien Chouameni to Real Madrid, and they they sold a few guys, uh, Benoit Badiashil to Chelsea, and then his his battery mate Axel de Sassi also to Chelsea. Um, and they end up with a lot of money, so uh, they've kind of retooled. They uh, Brielle Mbolo, one of their strikers, uh, messed up his knee, and I think he's out for the season. They've got Wassam Ben Yedder, who's been one of the better strikers in France for a while, but he's got some legal issues um, and will probably miss some time this year. So should be a chance for him to play a good amount. Um, I think they've been primarily rolling out two strikers uh, in non-exhibition play. They've got good midfielders. Um, you know, they've also been linked with Sambi. So mm-hmm. it's going to be, I think they'll be one of the better clubs in France. Um, it's, it's a move that I like for him. I like, I like that he can go back to where he really thrived yeah, um, and maybe get a chance to do it again. Yeah. And I think that is uh, one of the things that I think also kind of makes this really good, right? He was, he was good in league one. This is another league one team coming in for him. And I think you, you kind of nailed it, right? There's a, a good opportunity, I think for him to be able to, you know, spend a couple seasons here, kind of be able to, to make it his own and be able to do it. Um, yeah. I think the other interesting thing that I'm kind of waiting on is like what kind of, add-ons is there a, a buyback is there sell-on like those kind of details i think will really uh help to make a determination is this a really good deal or is this a just okay pretty good deal yeah i mean it's definitely it's definitely not a bad deal um yeah <clears throat> i think that you know people are probably getting pretty pretty locked into the idea of getting 50 million pounds for him i personally only really saw that happening if it were if it would end up, would have ended up being one of our rivals buying it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Fulham got slightly over 50 for Mitrovic, but I would be very surprised if they spent all that in one place. You know, West Ham have been trying to try and take that 100 and and fix like six positions all at once. So, um, you know, what, Paqueta is going to stay. 
more than likely thanks to his own betting issues. So yeah, it's, I think if you can get that kind of 40 million pound um, fee, especially from France, Italy is probably worse, but France is not a particularly rich league uh, outside of, outside of Paris. So um, it's, I think they did a nice job. I think things did uh, kind of fall in their favor a little bit with some of the other clubs um, like, you know, Inter trying to get Lukaku and that didn't work. Um, there's been a lot of really interconnected kind of striker activity where, um, you know, Atalanta buys, um, God, I'm blanking, Skamaka. And then, yeah. and then you know, that affects like what Inter's going to do and that affects what uh, now Atalanta's backup is maybe going to Fulham. So it's just everything's kind of touching touching each other. Um, but I, I, like, I like this deal. I think you compare it to the ones that, are in kind of the same realm and it, it looks like one of the better deals that got made for a striker. Exactly. Yeah. This will be close to a record sale for Arsenal too, as well. So I think that's nothing to sneeze at. Um, I think this is a, a pretty good, you kind of consider the track record of, of Balogun as well. Like this is a, mm-hmm. a guy that he's only got the, the one year of kind of experience at the top level. And that's, you know, something that makes him exciting, but also is a, a little bit of, I think a detriment to, you know, teams wanting to spend a lot of money necessarily on a player kind of coming in. So um, I think we've kind of found the the happy medium here. Um, I think there's a potential for this to look better um, if there's, you know, some of these clauses that are tacked on to the end, but mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, that's a, a pure profit, right? This is a, a guy that, came in through the academy do you, do you take anything to that that arsenal are, are doing something weird i know there's been a bit of to me uh stupid speculation that arsenal uh, <laughs> treated him wrong um I, no. I think you probably share that opinion but like is there anything to that no i don't i don't think so um i i really feel like if uh if there was anything to worry about arsenal wouldn't be you know built around four really key uh academy graduates at the moment um, you know, say what you want about Smith Rowe and Kedia and, and Reese Nelson, but they're all they're all getting paid well. They're all making squads. Uh, they all could have left, and none of them have. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Bukayo being the the face of the the club. Um, I just, you know, I've I've had kind of this theory uh, for months now that I think that there was a discussion at some point, you know, around the end of June when he came back to London, and I think that. You know, it doesn't even necessarily have to be dramatic. I just think that him and Arteta kind of realized that, you know, we're not really simpatico on this. Uh, We don't have the same view of what this looks like now. And I think that's why he didn't really ever get that involved in preseason. And, uh, you know, I everybody has an opinion about whether he would be an upgrade to Eddie um, or not. Me, I'm a no. Um, But I think that like you read what, and Kedia just said the other, like even just the other day in the press about how he approaches training. Um, and I, I think that that's just the the attitude. That's the player that Arteta wants. If you're not going to be starting realistically that often. Um, and, and I think that was just maybe a problem for him. It's just yeah. not always going to time out perfectly. That's all. And I think there's certainly a different perspective coming from the player as well. I think that he is more interested in a move than some of the other players that have kind of come you know, up yeah. through the academy, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he's got the the USMNT. He's the, you know, the nominal starter right now. And I'm sure he's got that kind of in the back of his head. If I sit as the third or fourth string at Arsenal, how much am I going to be able to play? How much am I going to be able to impress? Am I going to be able to hold on to this spot 
just move to you know uh, to the U.S. to be able to have that as his national team. Like, so I'm sure that there's some of that that's also kind of dealing with it. So like, yeah, he wants to maybe kind of hit while you know his his stock is high right now to be able to to make a move. So I think that this was a win win situation for both the player and the club. I, I don't think that anybody's going to have like any animosity here, right? I think it's a, a good yeah. deal overall. Yeah, this isn't this isn't uh, somebody forcing their way out. Now they're an enemy of the club, in my opinion, at all. Um, I just, you know, at, at some point earlier this summer, I just compared it pretty much to the exact same thing as Charlie Patino. It's just, uh, you know, I, I guess I, I just don't really hold it against any players who are ever looking for a, be- a better opportunity. Um, I think you can hold it against players when they do kind of crappy things behind the scenes and. Um, you know, maybe their, their, uh, motivations aren't always so pure, but, um, for me, it just felt like this is a guy who's like, you know, I got to go play first team. I had a really good season. Um, and I feel like I want to, I want to keep moving in that direction. And Arsenal said, that's awesome. Uh, we don't think that you're quite good enough to, to come in here and do that here. And everybody just said, all right, well, let's find you, let's find you somewhere you can go. Exactly. And I'm, I'm sure this is a player that we will continue to watch because we have the, the U.S. allegiances. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'm sure I'm, I, I really hope that he continues and does well at Monaco. I think this is a, a good spot for him. It's a little bit of a, a step up from where he was previously with I think I think Monaco has, you know, the, the ambitions. It's a league that I think matches his skills well. And if he ever does want to come back to the Premier League, like League One is generally one that translates well to the Premier League. So I, I don't think that door is fully closed for him should he want to come back. No, I don't think so either. And um, hey, he'll be you know what, we can watch him on Thursday. So he'll be in the Europa League. Unless Excellent. I'm mistaken. Right. Yeah. You know, Monaco is about to be my, my Europa League team. Then I guess that'll be my, the, my choice to, to put on in the backgrounds. Yeah. No, I, there, I there, yeah. I like who Europa else is on there in the Europa League that we should you know pay attention to? Is there anyone good that we should? Pay? Oh, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a, a given, too. But OK, yeah. I, I admit I haven't paid a ton of attention. I know that obviously Brighton and Liverpool are in there. But um, yeah, I'm, I got I got eyes on the big one this season for once. Exactly right. Well, you don't need to worry about the Thursdays. All right. Not as much uh, next... anymore. Thursdays are for fun now. Yep. <laughs> next is uh, Kieran Tierney. Um, so he's got, I think, increasingly um, concrete links to uh, Real Soci- Real Sociedad. Is that who it's? Uh... Yeah. Yep. yep. And okay. that, just that trying to make sure I'm not, you know, getting uh, one of these Spanish teams uh, mixed <laughs> up here. Yeah. No. This is uh, this one has been here we go. So. Uh, it sounds like it sounds like he's on his way. Well, so let's you know, uh, here you go. This you know transfer window isn't a hundred percent. It's like a ninety five percent certainty right now. <laughs> well, you know he was he was uh, Fabs was taking some arrows on the Guardiola thing, and he ended up yeah. being right about that. So uh, oh, uh, didn't he? Yeah, he had the, the the guy that just went to Saudi Arabia, right? Too the uh, oh yeah, he uh, did. Yeah, he did. Here we Gabby, go. Um, yeah, yeah, Gabri Vega. Yep. Uh, Yep, but that didn't work. Well, yeah, you're right. Probably 95, 95 plus percent. It's not 100. But um, yeah, he's got uh, allegedly he's got some plans to get a medical done this weekend and then probably be announced as a new member of the team. And I would assume probably suit up for uh, their game, which would be like next weekend on the second or third. Yeah. Are, are you surprised that this is that we could only get a loan? Um, I think this is a loan with an option to buy, not an obligation, right? Um, no, there's not even an option. On not it. even uh, an option. Okay. So not it's even a an pure option dry loan per, per David Ornstein, who I think is as close to hundred percent as you can get. The deal is, uh, is literally just taking him for the season. 
they've committed to paying his entire wages and there's a, a loan fee involved as well, though I don't think that's been reported how much money that is. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it did surprise me. Um, not not because I don't think that this club, Real, Real Sociedad, are good enough for for him or anything like that. But, um, you know, I guess I kind of always assumed that if if or when he left, it would probably be more in a in a northerly direction. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I feel like he's one of the more outspoken players and in recent memory for me about missing kind of, you know, where he came from and everything. And there would never be a financially advantageous deal for Arsenal to send him back to the Scottish Premier League. But um, when he when he was being linked to Newcastle, like that made sense. Uh, I could I could see that that would bring him relatively close. Right. So um, once Newcastle were out, though, it just seemed like. You know, there, yeah, just there was the potentially him. Villa kind of links there, but those ones seemed to dried up quickly. And there just doesn't there wasn't really ever another Premier League club that was seriously linked with him at all, was there? Not that I can think of. No. And I, I would imagine that um, in some way it's similar kind of to what we've seen with Rob Holding, where I think you could you could get him to do a job. But, um, you know, like the, the newly promoted clubs are either not spending a ton of money or when they do, um, like you look at Burnley, I mean, they brought in a fair number of guys for like, like kind of that 10, 15 million euro mark. But they were, I mean, they were aiming young. They were looking for upside. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, would Rob, could Rob Holding do a job for Burnley? Well, maybe they probably play a little too high of a line for him. But uh, for that level of a club, yes. Um, but will they want to spend, you know, what they spent on a guy who's 23, 24? You know, I think that's that's the matter of strategy. So, yeah, it's. I guess it's not. It's not terribly surprising. Um, I remember at the beginning of the summer, I was definitely way lower on sort of his prospects than a lot of people felt I should be. Uh, but it just, you know, injuries and high wages uh, just kind of felt like a rough combo. At the end yeah, of the day, yeah, I always felt that because I did a, a poll at the beginning of the summer and was kind of like trying to like figure out what I thought would be a fair estimation for his value. And when I asked that, I think people were very, very optimistic. I think the the average was something like 35, 40 million um, pounds is like the expectation. Mm-hmm. And, and that would have put him in like the top five for left back sales of all time. Right. When I went and looked at comps for him like those players had transfer market values and you should always take transfer market values with a little bit of a grain of salt but i think it's like at least directionally kind of close mm-hmm. those ones were in the 10 million pound range and then it's like well it felt like that was probably the more low-end realistic side and even then that might not have that might have been you know too uh hopeful to be able to get that and then like it just felt like to be able to get to what people were expecting, it really needed a bidding war to kind of like break out between two premier league clubs. And that just never materialized. Like, I don't think that he like doesn't necessarily fit with how some teams still want to play, but it just feels really weird that everybody has kind of uh, turned on him. I know I've turned, you know, they never thought that he fit with Arsenal, but it just feels weird that, everybody else kind of went around that. Like, is there something Did we, is it Arsenal fans overvaluing him or? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it is a hundred percent. You and I were two of the early adopters. Canon's this was pre Canon stats era, but yeah. I think you and I were two of the earliest adopters of the idea that uh, tyranny was one of the, the bigger priorities in terms of like needing an update. Um, you know, I know from February, 
I guess that would have been February 21. Uh, I had said that I think within the next year or two, we were going to have to get a better left back. Um, and I, you know, people did not enjoy that idea at the time. Well, um, you know, I don't think that the market finds him anywhere near as good as Arsenal fans do um, based on this feedback. So, you know, I imagine that Arsenal have a number on him and that it's probably just higher than any potential suitors, anyone who was kicking the tires on him really wanted to pay. And they said, well, you know, I would rather not sell him for like 10 million pounds or something like that. I would rather ship him off to a club that we know well. I mean, it's Mikel Marino or Mikel Arteta's uh, boyhood club mm-hmm. and get him a season where he can play. Uh, they're not going to compete for the La Liga title, but they're in the Champions League. They're going to compete for that kind of fourth through sixth place um, segment of that league. Um, you know, they don't have a left back that he really has to worry about as long as he's healthy, in my opinion. So, um, you know, it's it's a situation where, you know, you get a six point whatever million pound salary off the books. Maybe they throw you a couple million. Uh, if you can't sell it, sell them this summer. That's not a terrible yeah, outcome. Get, get that get that loan fee, get the wages off, get them in the shop window and see if he can build back some value and some interest. Right. Because, you know, I think the big thing is if he goes out and like he has a, a healthy season where he's able to play like twenty eight hundred plus minutes and he looks, you know, back to, you know, how he was previously. I, I think they'll be that'll help a long way to kind of rebuild some of his value. I'm hopeful. Than this sitting is, on this the is bench me. for seventy five percent of the season. Yeah, I still think that the the fee is probably going to disappoint people because he'll be another year older, you know, those kinds of things, and he'll still have the same kind of issues. But maybe there'll be a little bit more interest. Yeah, it's it feels it feels like people always talk about going on loans when you're unwanted as being like a chance to rebuild value or increase value. But with I with this kind of a move, I think it's more of a of a chance to uh, retain value than anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to come out of this as a 30 million pound player, but he, you know, maybe if he can come out of it as a 15 million pound player, you look at that and say, well, that's a lot better than what we would have gotten if we had kept him here as basically our fourth option. I left back. Yeah, maybe not like build value, but uh, retain and increase interest and maybe answer some of the the nagging questions that cut people away. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't yeah. work, well, then it doesn't work. But uh, the We're in the same spot, right? That we would have been when we saved wages. Yeah. I mean, you, I right. think you can look at that six to nine or ten million as a little bit, a little bit of found money right now. So exactly, it's, it's good. Um, we got we got a couple more guys that is. Uh, we actually, um, I think Sambi is also another guy that's linked with Monaco. Um, the the Burnley stuff has kind of fallen through. Um, yeah. What do you think about a, a Sambi to Monaco type move? Do you think well, that's I, a, a good spot for him? Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think that I think that you put him in a, a good situation there, um, more at his level, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, with on the higher end of the league and table than than say, you know, the Premier League. I think he kind of struggled at times to really catch on at Crystal Palace. I know that the guy who loaned him got, or the guy who took him on loan um, got sacked, and maybe Hodgson didn't rate him as much. I don't know, but um, in Monaco, you know, I think I think that's more. Likely, if Yusuf Fafana, who's become a little bit of an Arsenal fan favorite after that friendly, uh, if he ends up moving, uh, he's been linked to Nottingham Forest, which would be a crazy good move for them. But um, yeah, so he would probably step in as maybe like a number three midfielder. They play mm-hmm. they play a double pivot. Uh, they've already signed Dennis Sakaria this uh, offseason. Um, and then they've got Mohamed Ka- Kamara, uh, who 
came out of a guy that always yeah i really like and i think that would be a good kind of a compliment to the skills that sam that sambi has um i think yeah kamara is a one of the the better kind of like more dm focused types and you know he he does a good amount of passing but i think he needs someone a little bit more progressive next to him so i think that's what you know fafana certainly helps with but yeah if fafana leaves i think sambi could step in and do quite well with that yeah yeah and i would i would expect that he would probably not um, get the full-time starting role over Zakaria. Zakaria is kind of a a better like ball carrier to me. But um, you know, you put him, you put him there. He's going to get some games there in Europe. He'll get some some Europa League minutes as well. And um, yeah, they play more of like for some reason I was thinking two strikers. Maybe that was last season. But it's it's kind of like a three-four-three is what they've lined up the, the first yeah. couple of games this season. Yeah, so they've put their striker in the middle with uh, Minamino and Alexander Golovin, who's another player I like. Um, so I I think that would, I think that's a good move for him. Um, you know I don't think that Monaco are probably going to have a terribly high uh, bid to make if they're trying to get him permanently. Um, but we'll we'll have to see. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean I would take a loan as well. Um, I think you know a loan with a obligation or even an option. I think that is probably kind of at this point of the the, the window where at that uh, a little bit of the desperation just to, to get people off the books. And I think that, yeah, that might be one that we have to take a compromise on. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, um, I, I don't think the market's been crazy hot for him either. So I agree. Pepe, is he going to be reintegrated? Like some people are suggesting or is no. he on his way out? Yeah. I, I vote no here too. No, he's not. He's on his way out. Uh, so the, the hot rumor being that uh, there's a Saudi Arabian club, uh, who want him? Was it an unnamed two, Saudi Arabian club, or is it? Yeah, yeah, two maybe, and and that uh, a fee is being discussed. Um, you know, weigh the ITKs however you want, but I've seen chatter that it's a very nominal fee uh, to to get that contract broken and get Nikola over to the Saudi Empire over there. Um, you know, I think I think that's far more likely than. Um, him actually being reintegrated. I think even if, even if the, he was kept around, even if we couldn't get rid of him, um, I, there just seems to be so many more options on the right wing than going straight to him. If, if Saka needed a game off. So I expect that one to be done. Um, you know, one upside to that is if he is going to Saudi Arabia, either their window doesn't close until like the 21st or something like that of September. So he's not exactly. gone by we'll the first, a couple weeks after. Around. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, Nuno, he's got the the, yeah. the bid for Forest kind of fell apart, but some new links with Aston Villa. It, still, interestingly, he has seemed to get more attention and uh, traction than Tierney. Yeah, yeah, he has, um, and probably because you know you don't have to commit a big contract to him. Um, you know, he makes I think probably like a quarter between a quarter and a half what Tierney does. So. Uh, he, yeah, he's been linked with clubs from Germany. He's been linked with clubs from uh, England. I think probably some more beyond that that I'm forgetting, but it seems like the Villa thing might be off. Um, Luca Dean was suppo- was supposed to be going to Saudi Arabia, and it sounds like he's not. So that would obviously close down one route. Um, you know, he had been linked to Wolfsburg out of Germany. Uh, they ended mm-hmm. up signing uh, Joachim Mile, the, D- the Danish fullback from, uh, well, he was most recently at Atlanta. So I think that probably covers that path too. So I, for me, he's a little bit in the, in the Sambi Lokanga 
uh, zone where I, I don't know if, if they're going to find a permanent home for him, if they're going to have to loan him out. But I would imagine that he's that there's something in the works there. Yeah. Um, I think we already kind of touched a bit on on Rob Holding. Um, I think that's going to be a, a very late type of move. Should he yeah. get one? Um, we'll kind of see who is kind of left when the, the music kind of stops. And I think that's kind of when he'll figure out a landing spot. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you're probably right about that. It's always felt very much like uh, if if uh, Basiktas aren't going to take him in Turkey, uh, which is would not be a terribly high fee. Uh, maybe there's some, you know, August 30th, August 31st, five million pound swoop from another Premier League club that might come in. I, you know, I, I think I've said this in writing um, before, but, you know, it wouldn't totally stun me if he stuck around and kind of got put in that El Nenny tier. <laughs> Because uh, they, they, I mean, they definitely love him. They love having him around, right? He's on reasonable-ish wages for Arsenal, right? It's it's kind of yeah, expensive for what he is as a player, but it's not like backbreaking to Arsenal. Yeah, it's not. It's he's not kind of uncomfortably close to being the the next guy up right now with you know the the timber injury. Yeah, I definitely when timber came in, I felt like that kind of made Rob Holding obsolete, um, but. Obviously, that's not uh, where we are right now. So, you know, we'll have to see if another defender gets brought in, too. Sounds like that could go either way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that gives us a nice pivot into the incomings. There's a new link. It's a pair shirts. Um, you know, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Uh, we, we always try our best here to, to pronounce names correctly, even though I really, really struggle at it. Adam, I think you're better at pronouncing names than I am. Um, no. I know you did a, a brief kind of look at him. He's a, you know, a center back. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Tell us about him. Yeah. I mean, pair shirts, he's, he's another Ajax product. Um, so he was actually a youth teammate of Urian Timbers for quite a while. Uh, was more the center back to Timber's right back when they were younger. Uh, Timber got promoted to the first team, I believe, before him, but uh, he kind of followed a very similar timeline. Uh, Timber ended up playing more right center back once he was in the first team. And, um, you know, Shores was more like the deputy to him, despite them being, uh, I think he's actually maybe a little bit older than Timber. Um, there were a number of games where he would play center back and then Timber would pop up on the right side. A number of games where uh, Timber would sit out and he would play center back uh, with more like a Mazraoui right back situation. So, um, but, you know, I don't think anybody who follows IX closely considered him to be like a key member of the, the side. Um, he left last summer and went to Torino in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was uh, definitely more central to their plans. They played more of a back three. And he would go back and forth between being center, center back and right center back. Uh, for them. I mean, I started 28 games in the league. So if you look at kind of like his heat map, where, where his areas of actions are and everything like that, it's very much like right down the middle. Um, so a little bit out onto the right flank, but it's definitely not uh, a similar situation to Yuri and Timber. He's more, um, Scott and I were texting about him earlier this week. And I said, I said, he's more of a Kivior than a Timber because he's, mm-hmm. he's tall um, you know, solid defender, good speed, um, good passer. I would say, you know, ball playing, ball playing defender type. Um, I think if, if he came in, it would be more as a long-term deputy to Saliba. Um, and that would create a little bit more flexibility on the right side this season, because if White picked up an injury or if Tomiyasu picked up an injury, 
uh, that would allow Scherz to step in. Or sorry, if Saliba picked up an injury, that would allow Scherz to step in, and you could keep White on the right back uh, position. So, not a not a one for one replacement type. I would not expect Torino to be willing to loan him um, without a, an obligation. And uh, yeah, I mean, the reports were not from a great source. They, I think they said 40 million euros. I, I'm not expecting yeah. Arsenal to pay that much for anybody, but um, we'll just have to see. Yeah, I mean, I think this was one that you could see this as a move that would happen even with Timber, right? This isn't something that I think you would necessarily uh, exclude, uh, right. you know, from there. Um, this might spell the end uh, next year for like a, a Tomiyasu type player. It could, um, yeah. So I think it's a, an interesting to watch. Uh, this might be a, an interesting first, you know, glance at a player that, you know, maybe we come back to at some point in the future, um, or it's just something that is a, a little bit of an agent talk type of a thing. It could, it could definitely be either. Um, Torino only paid 9 million for him. Uh, that's in euros. So well, like 6.5 to 7 million pounds uh, last summer. So he's not, uh, he's not like a superstar for, for them I, by any means, but um, it's definitely, yeah, people were asking me, I, I know on Twitter about, you know, uh, timber replacement or no, no, not by any means. Uh, you could, you could have them both in your, your sort of like defensive uh, group simultaneously without, you know, that redundancy. Yep. Excellent. I think that's a, a good spot to, to put a, uh, an end to, to part one. So we'll do a, a few, little bit of housekeeping here. Um, there is the the football content awards that are out now for nominations. Um, if you guys appreciate the things that we do, we uh, really like it. If you would nominate us, I think we're, we're going for best new content creators. So you can go through the FCA website. You can uh, do a tweet that says, uh, I'll put a, a link to the tweet generator in the show notes. So it's really nice and easy to be able to do it. But you basically just uh, send an at to the FCA saying you're voting for Canon stats for best new content creators. Uh, we both appreciate it. Uh, the other thing you can do to show your support is uh, consider becoming a premium subscriber. Do a lot of uh, very, I think, interesting and worthwhile uh, additional bonus content. Um, starting <laughs> to do some bonus podcasts as well. Uh, last week, I did one with John McKenzie. I'm trying to see if I can get a couple more lined up. Looking to do maybe two to three of those a week. And maybe Adam will, will start you know, doing some of his own if he's got somebody that he wants to talk to. So um, yeah, lots of things that you can do. Um, also, you know, subscribe you know, like, rate, you know, podcast stuff, all those fun things that everybody says. All right, uh, ready for, for part two? I think we're, we'll talk a little bit of actual uh, game stuff. So Arsenal played Crystal Palace uh, on Monday. What, what are your thoughts there? I thought it was a good control, maybe a little bit of concern at the 10 men, but then regained a bit more. Any worries, any concerns? Happy with the result? Yeah, no, I actually... Um... I don't know, maybe, maybe it's controversial. Maybe it's not. I'm actually very happy with that result. Um, mm -hmm. For me, the first half was very in control. Um, I think I tweet, even tweeted at halftime like this, this is headed for a goal early in the second half. If they can just keep up basically the same dynamic um, that did end up happening, obviously via the penalty uh, Arsenal controlled kind of the next 10 minutes. And then, just the weirdest thing ever with Tommy Asu <laughs> and having two yellows. Um, <clears throat> but even uh, I would just say, even once it was down to 10, it just felt very controlled. Um, I've watched, unfortunately I've watched a number of Arsenal games where they've had 10 men uh, for 
longer stretches of time. And, you know, that one kind of reminded me of like, do you remember that one where we had 10? I think it was it at Anfield. I'm pretty sure it was a cup game. Um, but I just remember being so impressed by that and how how well they like staved off the, the attack of Liverpool because that's a good side. Um, and this was kind of a lot like that. Like it just it felt like Palace couldn't really break them down. Uh, there was definitely a phase of the game where um, you felt like Arsenal needed to relieve some of the pressure yeah. <laughs> that, that was being kept on them. But, um, you know, I was really happy with particularly with Eddie. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I thought he was really active and despite missing the big chances, um, you know, just made a lot of really good runs and a lot of really good plays. Uh, and then in the second half down to 10, I just felt like when that ball would go forward, he was either going to win it or he was going to draw a foul that would, uh, you know, reset the play. So I was, I was happy with it. I, you know, I, I think that the XG and the field tilt and everything like that is a little bit, you know, behind last season, but, um, you know, for, for me, the second game is it's less about that, uh, less, it's less important with the second game because of playing a third of it down a man. Exactly. And you, you still kind of look at, you know, apples to apples like this match last year at Selhurst Park. I think generally this is a better performance than what we did last year, even though we won two goals to, to nil last year. Mm-hmm. I, I think this one was still better. And then especially when you consider, you know, the the game state type effects here of playing down a man. Right. So seven of uh, Crystal Palace's shots uh, came with it, you know, being you know, 10 to uh, 11 versus 10, they ended up with 14, you know, shots. So half of them came after the red card. Mm-hmm. I think they had like their two best chances. I think there was one big chance that the fellow, I think it was to Eze. And then there was one, I think to, uh, was it Mitchell that, you know, kind of a, a rebound came to him, but you know, he fired it over the box. Like neither of those were oh, like yeah. super clear chances. There was the potential penalty shout, like but for the most part, it felt, mostly in control like it wasn't like we were like totally pushed back against the the wall i would have liked to have pushed out a little bit more but i think that there was a little bit of that shock and a little bit more of the the momentum that kind of comes with the red card away from home um yeah. so i'm not i'm not I'm not worried about it yet i don't know do you have any worries um about the match or i think it, i generally feel like positive things have come from the first two matches rather than yeah. negatives yeah i think you know you definitely uh, speaking of game state, you definitely feel some some level of, you know, in- incisiveness, killer instinct. Um, maybe maybe not so much missing, but just ramp it up um, with the first game. I think uh, you know one thing that I've said publicly for sure about that is you know we scored from two low low probability chances and we were up two nil. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, what like twenty twenty five minutes into that game. Um, and I think that really had a lot of knock-on effects toward the XG. The players kind of dropped the intensity, uh, so it it looks like a worse result than it really was. Um, if you like watch the game, I don't think there was ever really a chance for for us to win. So it's you know it's two two well controlled games. I think it would be nice. It would definitely be nice to go out and get um, you know say hypothetically we do get another like two nil lead in the first thirty to forty minutes against Fulham. It would be really nice to see more intent uh in the final third more um aggression and and grab a third grab a fourth you know however many they're going to end up with um because you know that club's not in a good way right now but also i think it would just be good for confidence and and you know i I mean people online love they want especially when you face somebody that's like bottom half bottom five 
you got to win five nil. It's got to be like six to zero in XG. <laughs> uh, that's the only way you're going to be happy. Exactly. And, you know, it's, I mean, it, it's a kind of nitpicky, but I think coming out of Forest, I was a little bit, if I was going to say that there's one thing that needed, I wanted to see improved, it was the the final ball, some of the final movement, the yeah. understanding between the players. And I think we did see that at Crystal Palace. I think that um, we did see a lot more incision into actually getting the ball from around the box into dangerous locations. I thought Eddie and Kedia's runs in this match were really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. And I think his teammates found him a little bit better being able to do that. So I think that the one thing that I wanted to see improve from Forest to Palace happened. So I'm certainly happy there. Now it's, you know, being able to create a few more chances. I, I think if it hadn't gone to 10 men, I think we would have seen that. I think we were really like in that phase after the goal, we were really yeah. kind of like strangling them and it felt like it was a nut, like a matter of time before like it became two. I, I, at least that was kind of like my impression. Like it didn't feel like there was a way for palace to get back into it. It felt like Arsenal had really grown into it, taken mm-hmm. the crowd out of it. And we're about to just, you know, do that classic. We're going to, really really put the pressure on so i i, I don't I, it's it's all about the the penalty or the you know, the, the red card that was absolutely stupid that, that yeah. came out of it um <laughs> so i think one of the other really interesting talking points after the first two games is that we're seeing a different approach um from arteta so this is a uh, you know thomas party inverting from the right um, we've, we've gotten so used to the inversion coming from the left with Alexander Zinchenko. And I think we've seen a couple different ways of Thomas Party inverting. So there was, you know, the, the match against Forrest where he inverted all the way to almost becoming a single pivot with the diamond kind of midfield in front of him to Crystal Palace, where it was more of a, a double pivot to almost kind of a traditional fullback kind of way where he played wide a lot more than I expected him to. Um, mm-hmm. what, what are your kind of your initial impressions of this system that we're seeing? Well, I mean, I, I definitely struggled with it um, in the first game against Nottingham Forest. I didn't I didn't feel like party uh, playing right back was something I really wanted to see at Sellers Park. Um, I think he did a better job in the second game. There were, mm-hmm. there were, um, there were definitely moments um, that were frustrating or concerning, but um, particularly kind of once, once the, the pedal really hit the metal uh, at 10 men, I thought he made a number of like really good defensive plays actually right back. Oh, absolutely. I thought he uh, played like out of his mind as a defensive right back. Yeah. I mean, he was, and he was, up against like Tyreek Mitchell for a lot of them. And that's, that's a very quick, fast player. Um, so, you know, I was, I was positively surprised by that. Um, I think that, you know, like with any change, there's going to be new dynamics, you know, there's no Ben White overlapping on the right when we're in attack, when he's out there, obviously it means that, um, Sinchenko is not on the left. So I think definitely some growing pains, mm-hmm. um, and it wouldn't, you know, Zinchenko being back at full health and obviously, uh, Tamiyasu being suspended for this game, uh, definitely totally righteously suspended, um, is, uh, <laughs> you know, I, th- it wouldn't shock me if we see kind of the reshuffling of the back line again, now, whether that means, you know, the, the rice Odegaard party midfield, or if, or if Arteta might kind of throw caution to the wind and go Havertz Odegaard in front of rice or, or, or in front of party too. I'd rice has been too good. He's going to play, but, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see because if um, if Zinchenko is in on the left side, you would think that you wouldn't see party right back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that's one we're ever going to see from the start. 
like I, I mean i think there might be a possibility that like if we get really desperate in a match we might see something like that but yeah i i think that there's yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> we're going to knock on wood. Um, I don't think there's ever going to be a time when healthy, we're going to see that type of a, a situation uh, present itself where we go with basically just like a, a back two. And then they had two guys that you know really have a tendency to want to be not fullbacks, or at least a, a back three in build up. So I think that really, really leads into the question of what is the situation on uh, Saturday? So I think there's kind of two ways. Like you can go with the, the same system, right? You kind of maybe plug Kivior into the spot and he plays as that third center back. The, you know, you keep Saliba in the middle, you know, white as the third center back on the right. You could do that or you could go Zinchenko and then that really kind of, you know, is that Zinchenko Gabriel? And then, you know, that's a party out or is it rice out? Like there's a, there's a lot of kind of domino effects that are going to go here. Where, where do you see Arteta going? He's, he's gotten more unpredictable this season. Absolutely. Um, you know, which I, I like, I mean, I would rather not <laughs> know exactly which 11 he's going to pick um, going into every game, especially with all these competitions and with all these guys who, uh, you know, should get to play pretty frequently. Um, I, I think that, I mean, who, you know, it's going to end up being wrong, but uh, I'm, I'm expecting Zinchenko in for party um, mm-hmm. and, and Gab- then that would be Gabriel in for Tomiyasu. Um, so it's so very much more the back four uh, that we're used to from last season. Um, I just got, I just got a feeling that Arteta's itching to get Zinchenko into a game. And particularly at home um, against a club that's, you know, going to be missing one of their their leaders and Tim Ream, who will be serving a red card suspension. Uh, you know, Mitrovic is gone now. Don't have to worry about him. And there's been reports that Willian will, will miss this game. One of their better attackers now. And, uh, you know, I think jo- Joao Paulinha just returned to training this week, so he might be less than sharp. So that just feels like a situation where maybe you can throw a little bit more of your attacking your attacking side out there and let let Declan basically control transitions. Yeah, so still be uh, Eddie up front, uh, Havertz, Odegaard, Rice, kind of through the midfield. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, I know you tweeted earlier today um, with the reports that Jesus is back full, mm-hmm. fully back in training. I guess I'd probably anticipate him more as like getting kind of that that little 20, 25 minute run just to build up some fitness rather than starting. Um particularly because I think Enkedia through two games has maybe been one of like the top four or five players so far this season for Arsenal. So, um, you know, I, f- I feel like he definitely deserves another shot if Jesus isn't completely with it. Yes, I think that's uh, absolutely. Yeah, so Arteta confirms that Jesus is available to face Fulham. So I think that'll be um, an interesting one. Um, yeah, he says... Uh, we're really happy. Obviously, it was a big blow for him after the preseason that he had to have another surgery, but he's looking very sharp and trained the full week really good. So he's ready to go. Um, and on if he was ready to start from the off, Mikel said, let's see. It's very good news. Um, I think that's being uh, a bit coy and just not giving it away. I think that most likely, um, if I was a, I'd probably put like, 85 percent that jesus starts from the bench um i don't know like you i think you probably are in agreement there right it's it's very yeah. unlikely that we see him actually start i think i think it's pretty unlikely yeah i do um yeah you know, i think one... he's targeting the manchester united match as the the one that's probably more realistic for him to come back in yeah i i think so t- i think 
hundred percent on that. You know, if, if there was going to be one surprising change, if I may submit one, um, please do after, after the last performance, it would not be completely shocking to me. I'm not saying I advocate for it, that I would do it because I wouldn't, but, uh, wouldn't stun me if, if Trissard got Martinelli's spot for this game. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That might be, uh, Martinelli just seemed, he seemed a little bit too much in his head. Um, this last time out. So, you know, maybe give him a week to think about it or, or light a fire under him. I don't know exactly what the, what the idea would be there, but I mean, Trissard is definitely a guy who has, has performed. He had a great preseason. He was so good for us last season. Um, and he just really hasn't had much chance to play. I, I guarantee a full strength side he would have gotten into, uh, off the bench this past week, but he didn't even play. So that's a lot be an interesting one to watch. I, I'm I'm kind of enjoying the I don't know how it's going to be. Um, so it's really kind of a I, I want to check an hour before kickoff to see what the actual lineup is. Um, it's kind of a fun uh, new experience from last year where uh, I think we could uh, all name it as long as there wasn't an injury. Oh, 100 percent. We could. I mean, Gabrielle started every game. Um, <laughs> Saliba, I think, started every game. He was healthy. You know, obviously, Party and Jacka were always in. Saka was always in. So it's, I mean, Saka is still going to start every game. But you know, it's 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 definitely more enjoyable. I agree. All right. Uh, the next big thing that's uh, on the horizon is the Champions League. It's good to be back in the Champions League, and we have a draw next Thursday. So we'll probably have a further discussion of this uh, on the podcast next week. And we'll, yeah. I think Adam is is committing, and I'm going to put him on the spot now uh, that it's on paper that he's going to write a, a review of our group when we actually have that group drawn. But so, what kind of a, a draw can we kind of expect, Adam? Yeah, I mean, I I'm such a such a nerd for. Uh, the draw. I love the draw so much. Um, I'm going to, I'm really going to miss it when it turns into basically like schedule release day, um, which it will next season. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's the, I think the most interesting thing to see um, will be which club Arsenal get out of pot one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most, most like world ranking models put Arsenal kind of in like that top five, six, eight in the world. Um that, that kind of tier. I think that's, that's very fair. Um, so you look at the, at the other, obviously we could not get Manchester city because two countries from this or two clubs from the same country cannot play each other in the group stage. Um, so Sevilla, Barcelona, Napoli, Bayern, PSG, Benfica, Feyenoord would be the clubs that you can get. Do you want a club that is one of the better ones? Do you want Bayern? Do you want PSG? Do you want Napoli or do you want the cupcake so you can get through uh, it's, it's, you know, you kind of see the, the logic either way. Um, looking I mean, at, we know, we know we're going to get either Bayern or Barcelona because like <laughs> we have to, right? Probably. I mean, probably. And after the way we played Barcelona in the preseason, I mean, I wouldn't mind it. Um, yeah. I think they have some, they have some weaknesses that, that we can exploit. So they're not, I don't think they're as good as they were last season, but, um, you know, pot three decidedly weaker. Um, obviously we can't get anybody else from pot two, but, you know, I would say if you're looking for a for like a a spoiler there, it's probably Milan. Um, they're at least the best club in pot three, in my opinion. You know, Shakhtar Donetsk, I mean, they don't really scare me. RB Salzburg might give you a little bit of a fight, but um, you know, they've lost some of their best players this offseason. So yeah, I I just love I love the draw. Um it's gonna be fun to see like where Newcastle ends up. They're gonna be in pot four, so they might be like a real group of death situation. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's just I just wanted, we wanted to, to at least mention it because it's going to be done before the next time we actually do a pod. 
Yeah, and it's uh, exciting to be back playing Tuesday, Wednesdays under the lights. Only, cl- like only club in London under the lights uh, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, as this you know, Spurs tried to advertise last year, right? I think for for them. Or was it two years ago when they were... Yeah, the yeah only... Chelsea were in last year, so it wasn't yeah. last year. All right. Um, I think that's a, a good spot to end it. Um, we got a, a big match on full, uh, against Fulham, so we'll have uh, the full coverage after the show, or after the... Not the show, after the match. So we'll have a, an instant reaction, we'll have a debrief, and uh, we'll have any coverage of anything that's big that comes after it. Uh, thank you, Adam. It's been a, a wonderful talk, as always. Yes, sir. And I guess another thing, um, our next pod will be on the first that'll be the day of the window closing so we'll see what else pops up between now and then exactly we'll have a a good transfer uh, window closing reaction yes we will all right guys thanks for listening and we'll talk to you on the next one cheers y'all